No changes are given. And this is the No Change Given podcast with me, Sophia Herod. It's a podcast all about change. And the guests who join me pave the way for a new and better world. You don't hear as much about female autism. My hope is that listening to my podcast will inspire, inform and energise you. Whatever people are making me feel like, are you just a mother? I'm like, no, 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 no. We need to rebrand it. As an environmentalist, as an ecologist, I'm more enthusiastic about nuclear than anything. The centre of all my passions is change. It's the only constant upon which we can rely, and yet it is something we often fear. When something scares me, I have to find as much information about that subject as possible. Every day you probably interact with an AI system. Then it becomes more of a fascination than a fear. There was a study and they found that the anti-cancer proteins also increased. So everything I share with you are the subjects that fascinate me, people who inspire me. And I looked at it with complete compassion and I looked at it with gratitude. And the lessons I've learned which have helped me grow. And hopefully you'll have some laughs along the way too. Because what's life without a little humour? So come and join me and let's grow together. So I'm here with Lisa Duncan. Hello, Lisa. Would you like to tell us about yourself? Oh, yes. So I am American, originally from Hawaii. And uh, my mother is Japanese. My dad's from New York. And I was raised in Hawaii. And I was raised sort of mostly near the beach, but also my dad liked hiking in nature. So we did a lot of hiking and we spent lots of time in nature. And uh, my mother just loves cities. And so I spent lots of time in, in Japan, Tokyo and and um, and various cities in the States. But um, my love for nature definitely started with my father, who was uh, who liked to study nature. He liked to be in nature. He liked camping. And he kind of introduced me to all of that. And and then um, a few years ago, I I was uh I had the opportunity to start forest bathing here. I was introduced to it a long time ago, maybe 10 years ago when I was working in Japan and my ex, my boss at the time, when he retired, he became the head of the forest therapy society in Japan. And he always used to talk to me about forest bathing. And I thought it was really interesting. And, uh, but then it was a few years ago when I thought, actually, I'll study it and, and, and have it here. Um, I live in the Surrey Hills, so lots and lots of trees around me. And funny enough, even though I'm from Hawaii and you think I like the beach and being near water, which I do, but I do feel at home in the woods amongst trees and it's, it just has a calling to me. So, um, so yeah, so that's a, a little bit about uh, myself and kind of my connection with nature and why I do what I do now. And do you think that's what led you to forest bathing, your love for the trees? Yeah, oh, definitely. I, you know, if I go for a walk, I'm constantly looking around me, just noticing things and, and, I do walk with friends as well. Um, and if I'm walking, my friends would always comment, like, I never noticed that. That's interesting that you noticed that. And I think I just naturally, I naturally like, um, I, I naturally do notice these things. And whether it's sounds or sight is a huge one for me, just because I think I, I have a strong sense of sight. I, I, I paint as well. So I think my sense of sight is really dominant in me, but also the sounds of things, the way things feel, I'm constantly touching things. Um, so yeah, so that, that sort of draw to nature is why 
I decided to do forest bathing that and just a little bit of history with um, just well-being in, you know, what needing well-being in the family and being a mother of three and having a stressful life just, you know, I just realized that being in nature really is one of the biggest ways to, to bring that stress level down for me. So tell us what forest bathing actually is, because you talk about noticing different parts of the forest and being aware of what's around you, but that's a big part of forest bathing, isn't it? It is. Yes. So forest bathing is, um, it's not, um, you don't use your swimming costume. Uh, a lot of people just think that, that that terminology is a bit weird, but I just think actually it's quite an attractive terminology because it makes you think about what it is. I mean, I suppose it's like sunbathing, you bathe in the sun. So it's like forest bathing, you bathe in the forest, you bathe your senses in the forest. And what it is, is a slow walk in the woods, um, in a sort of forested environment. Uh, if you don't live near a forest or the woods, you can also do it in a park as well, You know, anywhere where there's lots of nature. And instead of walking at a pace or walking with a destination in mind, you're kind of wandering in the forest. And as you're doing that, um, you're noticing and you're using your five senses, um, the sense of sight, of course, and then your sense of hearing. You might hear the, the bird song or you might hear the crunching of leaves if you're walking in the woods, uh, your sense of smell. Um, you can you can smell things as you're walking, maybe rubbing the tree bark or the tree leaf for a little bit further smelling or even getting a stick in the ground and kind of smelling the earth. Um, that's actually one way to really boost your serotonin levels. Um, and um, and then just touching things. And then finally, if you are adventurous or if you know a little bit about what you can and cannot eat, then, you know, trying a little bit of 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 things and I always end my uh forest bathing sessions with a bit of a, a tea ceremony and I often use the ingredients that nature provides in the woodland so a lot of my tea ceremonies are at the end of the session will end with Scots pine tea because on Homebury Hill where we are there's lots of Scots pine but I happen to also forage a lot so I you know there's a lot of tree pine needles and and fir needles that you can use as teas so that's an, another sense that you explore as well and by doing this what happens is you purposefully slow down and when you slow down your heart rate goes down and when your heart rate goes down you start to get into your parasympathetic which is your rest and digest um, autonomic nervous system and that helps us calm down um, so you're doing a lot of mindfulness while you're forest bathing, but then the other thing you're doing is by being in a forest, um, you're breathing in something called phytoncides, and by breathing that in, that is inter interacting with our body chemistry and, and doing a lot of good to our, to our body. And I have a list of things that I could talk, talk about, but so that's what forest bathing is a slow walk, a mindful walk, slowing down and just bathing all of your senses in the forest. And not having a bath in the forest. like Not <laughs> having a bath. You can, you can have a bath in the forest if you want to. That's another way to explore it, but you don't have to. Not In my sessions, we don't do that. <laughs> Tell me about this list. Yes. What chemical is it again that reacts with your body? So the phytoncides, what the phytoncides are, and that's half of why forest bathing works. The other half is the mindfulness part, which we go over as well. But um, the the phytoncides, it's it's what the trees emit to protect themselves from pests and diseases. Um, if you think of uh, pine uh, resin, 
if you rub that, you know, that smell, um, sometimes you smell like a terpene or like a citrusy smell, like that's limonene or a piney smell that's pinene, but all of these phytoncides, um, when we breathing, breathe it in, it actually interacts with our body chemistry. And that's what boosts our um, natural killer cells, NK cells, which are white blood cells in our body. And it, it exponentially increases when we breathe that in. So it's, it's part of why aromatherapy works. So you get the similar sort of thing from lavender and, and rosemary and all of these other plants as well. But if you think of it, if a little lavender plant has a little bit of that then can you imagine how much a tree has so we're breathing all of that in and so any walk in the woods whether you're on a dog walk or a social walk or anything you're going to breathe that in so um you don't have to be forced bathing to get that benefit but that's only half the benefit and the other half is the mindfulness side of um of forest bathing didn't you say as well when we were on our walk it can be anti-cancer causing so how does that work yes Yes. So um, the studies that Mr. Lee, that Dr. Lee uh, did in Japan about 2000 and I think it was 2008 or so, um, there was a study and they found that the anti-cancer proteins also increased in your your body when you went force bathing for three hours. So there's a lot of things. So the the white blood cell count increases, anti-cancer protein increases, um, your cortisol level decreases. So this is your stress hormone. Um, Adrenaline and noradrenaline are more stress hormones they decrease um and then your serotonin levels increase um also they found in a lot of other studies that uh, you increase your sleep at night if you went forest bathing like i have had one person in who used to come to my sessions regularly she lived quite far so i know it was quite a trek for her but she but she did come she she came for about 12 sessions and she had talked about this in the sessions she said that she has adhd and so she is not able to sleep for more than four hours at a time after doing the sessions she now sleeps for eight hours at a time so she's really i mean i know that she's really improved from that as well i have lots more stories like that but um so yeah so improved sleep improved concentration all, all these benefits from um, from the forest bathing. And a lot of it is, so in terms of the body chemistry, a lot of it is from the phytoncides. Why is it so much better than going for just a walk? What's the difference between going for a nice walk and then actually sitting down and meditating while amongst the trees? Now, that's a really good question. So, um, I mean, I would encourage anyone to go for any walk. If, if you can only go on social walks, then do that anyway, because that's, that's still good. Um, but if you can take the time to do some forest bathing, which is just be more quiet and mindfully walking. It leads us to the second half of why forest bathing works, which is being mindful. So our body is made up of, um, well, we have of many things. One of the things is the autonomic nervous system. And the autonomic nervous system is are things that happen in our body without us doing anything. So our breathing, um, our reproductive system, our digestion, um uh the blood sort of pumping around all of this is 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 uh, um controlled by the autonomic nervous system and so we have two it kind of generally branches into two systems it's the sympathetic and the parasympathetic the sympathetic is your fight and flight 
um, reaction. And then your parasympathetic is your rest and digest. And um, where that the history behind that in, in terms of humans is so we need both systems to work. So when we were living in caves way back when, and we had to hunt for our food, um, we needed the sympathetic nervous system, the, you know, the, the fight and flight to be able to react. So if we're in danger, we need to react quickly. And, um, and so our sympathetic nervous system kicked in and the blood started pumping into our muscles and we were able to flee or attack whatever it need whatever needed to be done. Um, these days we don't have to do that. Um, so our body interprets stress, you know, stress from work, computer usage, phone usage, all of this. It, it interprets that as stress. Um, um, so it, we go into our fight and flight, even if we're just doing work, if it's too much work, for example. Um, so the parasympathetic system is what happens autom automatically in your body. Um, it controls your digestion, your um, reproductive system. And this is what happens when you slow down, when you're mindful. So when you're mindful and you're meditating or you're just being, just practicing mindfulness, which is what we do in forest bathing, um, your body, when it slows down, you're allowing for the parasympathetic to take over. And so that's why I ask people on the walks not to talk. And the reason we don't talk um, until we have sharing circles, and I'll, I'll go into the sharing circles and why that works. But the reason we don't talk is because then we're not engaging our prefrontal cortex. And when we don't engage our prefrontal cortex, we have a, a bigger, um, a better ability to go into your parasympathetic. And you're just noticing things. You're, you're, when you're being mindful, you're in the present moment um, and you're allowing your parasympathetic to take over. And then you're, that's, that's going into your, your rest and digest. And so with force bathing, um, I said that half of it is fighting size, but also the other half is being mindful because that's going into your rest and digest. It's helping you go into your rest and digest. So when you're talking or when you're looking after your dog or wondering if your dog is going to get lost or whatever it may be, you're always thinking. Even when you're talking, you're always thinking. And then if you're thinking, then you're not really going into your rest and digest. You're still you're still kind of into your sympathetic, which is your fight and flight. You're on alert, and so that's why it's important to slow down and, and not talk. Um, and that's what we do most of the time on our forest bathing sessions. Gosh, so going straight from lunch into working in the office is probably a really bad idea. Then you probably need a little bit of a shutdown, a rest before you go straight back into work. Exactly. Yes, we all need a little siesta. Yes. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on board. Let's start this. <laughs> yeah. So tell us why the sharing circles work then. Yeah. So um, one of the reasons is some people just cannot last for three hours without talking, but, um, but, but that's not the main reason. I may be one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the main reason is that when we start to share, a couple things happen. Um, one is we start to 
notice things that other people notice as well. And sometimes we don't notice them. And I have a great story about this. So a few weeks ago, or about a month ago, I um, took on a forest bathing walk, a, um, a fairly popular musician. I mean, he was, he was in a boy band and. Um, Who is it? <laughs> oh, it was, um, I'm sure he said I could tell people. So it was JB Gill from JLS. And oh. it was he and his wife and they went forest bathing with me. And one of my first invitations, so I give invitations, as you know, like sort of sensory invitations and that's so that, you know, you don't have to think and you just let me guide you through these sensory invitations. I gave the first invitation was just notice what you notice. And so we kind of walked. It was a rainy day, which was good on him for showing up. I mean, it was great. But um and there's a lot of other benefits from forest bathing in the rain, by the way. But anyway, he and his wife showed up and there was another lady on the on the session as well. And I said, notice what you notice. And so we walked around for about 10 minutes, minutes noticing things. And then we had a sharing circle. So this is why sharing circles work. So we shared. And so um, JB's wife went first and then the other lady and then myself. And the three of us actually noticed things um, from scene. So we noticed little raindrops, raindrops collecting on the leaves and it looked like little fairy lights on the branches. And um, we noticed a lot of new growth, you know, the, the sort of signs of spring appearing. So it was lovely and we noticed all of that. And then it was JB's turn. He said, wow, I didn't notice any of that. I noticed the sound of the wind and the sound of the rain. And I just thought, wow, that was real. Like, you know, first of all, he noticed something new because we shared what we did. And then we noticed what he saw, what he heard. And obviously he's a musician. So sound is a real big thing for him, right? But it was really interesting to see that happening in the sharing circle. So suddenly we all, then we saw it was even more enhanced because we, heard things that maybe we didn't pay attention to before and he saw things that maybe he didn't pay attention to before um it is interesting isn't it so that's one of the reasons and the other reason is just as you just you start to form a bond as well and i think it's um it's interesting each session you can you can see the different bonds forming you know within the group and it's always it's also nice to be able to share something with another person it just enhances the experience and it shows when we work together we get a bigger piece and picture overall picture of the puzzle don't we I suppose exactly and it's not so much one plus one equals two it's like one plus one equals I don't know like four because what happens is you know not only not only do you increase your awareness of things but that becomes more exponential as well um, and so the overall experience is more enhanced not just doubled Mm. no absolutely mm. and you mentioned rain why what, what's good about the rain so lots of things are great about the rain um one is obviously the sound so you hear a little bit more um the other thing is what happens is the phytoncides um in the trees start to come into the air and then once when, when they hit the ground and it's exploded a bit more so you actually get a little bit more of the fighting signs and the other thing um, that happens is something that you get when you go to the ocean one of the reasons why we feel good when we go to the ocean is when the water hits the sand as it comes in the waves come in it releases something called negative ions 
And when I say negative ions, it's not negative as in the connotation of negative, but the actual the actual um, molecule, the negative ions. And if your body is stressed, then you are you have lots of um, you have a little bit more positive than negative in your body. And by having the negative ions in the air, that neutralizes things in you, and so you automatically feel the stress going down. So that's why we feel really nice going to the, the sea as well. But when it's raining in the forest, then you, it's the same effect. That's fascinating. So people say it's all fluffy, hugging trees and going into the forest, but there's scientific evidence. So my husband actually has started going into the forest every time it rains and he had no idea why. Oh, yeah, yeah. Lots of science behind it. Yeah. And in fact, hugging trees is another one. So, um, you know, it's not it's not just a whole emotional bonding and all of that you feel, which you might feel as well. But um, have you ever heard of earthing? Mm. So it's when you take your shoes off and you grow, go bare feet on the ground. So in the summer, I sometimes um, invite uh, the the um, the participants to do that as well. Um, but when you have bare feet on the ground, because the again the earth is naturally negatively charged when you when you go bare feet you're actually again receiving that negative so that you neutralize the positive if you are stressed the positive in your body and so um but tree hugging because the tree is connected to the earth it's the same thing so by hugging the trees you're doing the same thing as earthing and tell us more about trees because i found that really fascinating when i came on the forest bathing walk with you the fact that they they connect underground don't they and and they send information to each other can you explain us that they do yeah so um the research was done by various um groups and 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 scientists but one in particular um uh suzanne simard she um there's a word that's coined through her is called the wood wide web and what she found was that the trees are connected to each other by a mycelial network. Um, there's there's a technical, there's an endo, um, endo uh, and exto. And so the, the, the mushrooms, when you see a mushroom, that's the fruit of an organism. So it's like seeing a, an apple, that's the fruit of the tree. So this metaphoric tree is actually underground. So when you see the mushroom, it's the fruit of the underground tree. And so they have a network of um, these white fibers. And if you, if you lift a log, you'll see some of it sometimes. Those white fibers, what they do is they wrap around or go through, depending on what kind of mushroom it is, through the different um, trees. And um, they wrap around the roots and then they connect it to another tree wrapping around the roots and then to another tree wrapping around the roots. And that's what they do. And certain mushrooms wrap around the roots and connect only certain kinds of trees and certain mushrooms go through the roots and connect different types of trees. But anyway, um, what happens, what she found is that when the mushrooms do this, it's almost like having... Um, having a, uh, well, the connection is physical connection between the trees and the trees then what they do is they share nutrients and share um, water and share information with each other through the network. So for example, a they, what's termed as a mother tree, so the actual mother with its sapling next to it, it will give the sapling nutrients. And sometimes the sapling is growing under a canopy of other trees. So it cannot photosynthesize very well because it's 
being um, shaded by, overshadowed by the bigger trees. So it can't photosynthesize, which means it needs a bit of help. And you, it shows that the mother tree gives preferential treatment to its own saplings. And it gives it nutrients and lets it survive um, until an older tree dies. And then there's room in the canopy. So then suddenly it gives it lots of energy and it grows. And then it can grow into, into the sky. So, um, so that's one example, but also if there's a tree in an area that has less water and there's a tree in an area that has more water, they've, they've shown through research that the tree then connects and, and distributes water to the other tree. Um, also, if um, there's um, danger, like uh, one tree is being attacked by a certain insect, there are two ways that they um, get this message out to others. One is by the phyton side, actually, they release more of it. And then what happens, it makes their leaves bitter. And then the other trees sense that, and then they start to release it so that they don't get attacked. And the other way to do it is they, they give information through the network. So that's what they found in the studies. And then one wonders, why do the mushrooms do this? I mean, what's the benefit in them? And the reason they do it is because when the nutrients are shared, it's almost like they're the middlemen. They get a percentage of it and they get a bit of carbohydrate for themselves too. And so that's why they do it so that they get a little bit of nutrients too. But meanwhile, it helps the trees as well. Um, so that's an amazing thing too. That's next level teamwork, isn't it? <laughs> It's amazing. It is. Yes. Well, this is it, isn't it? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, and it's really sad sometimes if a, if a tree is cut down, for example, and there are other trees in the area, it, it thinks it's that the tree with, that was cut down is um, has been hurt. And so it gives it lots of nutrients to for it to, to kind of regenerate itself. Oh, my gosh. So if someone cuts one tree down in the middle of a woods, then the other trees then are less, they have less nutrients because of it. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So it's kind of a sad thing. Yes. So um, we just have to be a bit more mindful about these things. And what happens because sometimes you walk in the woods and they say um, we're cutting down trees for the benefit of the trees. And I don't know why they, I can't remember what they say on these notices, but they sometimes have them up. Can that really be helping the trees then? Um, so yes and no. I don't know specifically which trees are being cut. I mean, there are certain invasive species, like for example, rhododendron is not native to England and um, it can overpower. There's no, there's no real pest that attacks it, so it can spread very quickly. And what happens is um, it doesn't allow anything below it to grow. So sometimes you do have to cut because it's not native species. That's why it's really important that we don't introduce too many non-native species because sometimes they don't have anything that will attack it and control its growth. Um, but um, that's one reason why maybe they do it. But sometimes, I mean, it's shown though that having different variety in a forest plantation, let's say, is actually a really good thing for, so in Suzanne Samard's research, it was shown that planting pine next to, I believe it was birch, but it was a, a deciduous um, tree. So the deciduous trees lose their leaves in the winter, right? So it was deciduous tree and a pine, a conifer. And she did an experiment to see in what conditions do they grow better. And it turns out that having the pine alone was worse than having the pine and the birch together. And um, what happens, what she saw was that in the winter, 
Well, in the winter when the deciduous tree didn't have its leaves, well, the pine was giving that tree some nutrients. So obviously not great for the pine, but still that's what it was doing. But in the summer, in the summer when it had lots of leaves, it saw that the nutrients were going the other way. So the nutrients from the birch trees that had lots of leaves were giving it to the pine. So it was benefiting. So she saw that actually that the best way to have a plantation was to have some birch trees amongst it. Wow. Okay. So they're even different species of trees can help to work together as well. Exactly. So in your garden, if you cut down one, you're probably leaving another tree lonely. It's almost like they don't want to be alone. <laughs> yeah they don't want to be alone exactly they they want each other yes yes oh and the, the fact that the mother helping the baby that just really gets me I know I know I know it's amazing isn't really it amazing um do you think forest bathing is the way forward just to start noticing I think so I think so I mean I I try not to um I try not to you know to leave too much of a, a sh- I don't I want I would rather people notice this themselves and um rather than just you know, say, oh, yes, we must protect trees, you must protect ancient forests and all of this. I think if you come through forest bathing sessions, you actually naturally become that way and you naturally want to be more um, respectful of nature and uh, and preserve nature a bit more. So tell us about how you got into this then. How has it helped you in your life doing forest bathing and mindfulness? Yeah, um, <laughs> that's a really good question. So I think the best thing to do is ask my daughters <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean I have three girls and um yeah it's always been chaos in the house and as we all know when you have children you know you get really stressed and you react certain ways and I think one thing that they would say I have definitely changed um I'm a lot calmer um a lot uh more able to just let things go and just realize actually it doesn't matter. Um, and I think, I think forest bathing helps you, um, calm yourself down a lot more. Um, I have never really gotten sick, you know, I don't get ill. Um, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that I think from a long time ago that I've always spent time in the forest. And so, and I'm always naturally really curious, curious. So it it wasn't necessarily since the last two years, but certainly even before that, I think it benefited me in that way, in my health. Um, but in my mind, it was the real intention of doing this for my health that made myself a calmer person. Speaking to you now, I can't ever imagine you being anything but calm. To be honest, <laughs> you look like the most zen person oh. ever. <laughs> but it's nice to hear that everyone has the opportunity, if they just give themselves that space, to become what they want to be because you know you can be in charge of your own life can't you in your reactions but you have to give yourself the space otherwise it can't happen can it absolutely you absolutely can I would agree completely and um so yeah so it was setting that intention in the beginning of this journey of forest mm-hmm. bathing that I think helped me to get where I am yeah I love that there's something else that you do in the forest, isn't there, which is foraging? Yes, yes. Um, and so I, my friends know that if they're going to go walking with me, that we're going to stop a lot of times because I'm going to take a look at something, determine what it is and possibly have a nibble. Um, <laughs> in fact, I was um, 
So one of the reasons I, I missed uh, the morning session is I had a, I was walking with a friend of mine who had just finished the London Marathon. And um, so I just wanted to get a catch up with her. And that's why I completely forgot about what we were supposed to do. But anyway, um, she and um, we went on a walk and yeah, lo and behold, we, we nibbled on a few things. Um, so uh, the foraging part, you know, it's a real it's a it's a tricky one because one thinks, well, if you're foraging, then you're taken away from nature. So how does that how does that um, sit with you in terms of what you do? And and I think um, I, I, I've read a lot of things, but one of the things that um, that makes it okay for me to do foraging is that we are a part of nature. And so really we were meant to do those things to begin with. And I always follow the rules of foraging, which is you don't pick more than one in 20. You always leave enough for other, other people and the birds and the bees and everyone else. Um, and if there's not a lot of it, then you only pick, in fact, you don't pick at all if there's not a lot there. Only if you know there's gonna be a lot elsewhere in that area, then, then you pick. But um, foraging, I think is another way to spend time in nature because when you forage, you have to use all your senses to determine if that plant is edible or not. So um, so often, like today, we saw some wild oregano. And to, know, to determine if it was wild oregano, I took a look at the leaf and I thought, oh, yeah, that's what it is. But then I to completely decide, I had to smell it. And then it smelt of it. And once I knew that's what it was, then I could taste it. So, you know, you have to use all your senses to be able to determine what it is. Um, you have to be really aware of, oh, are the are the sides of the leaves jagged or is it or are they smooth? Are the lines coming from the center or from the sides? You know, you have to determine all of these things. And so you're really paying attention um, to everything in nature when you're foraging. And then finally you get to taste as well and you get to be more sort of, you know, mindful of it. The other thing, though, is um, I notice when I'm foraging, um, especially if I make things out of the things I forage. Uh, so just recently I made some wild garlic pesto. And, oh, yeah, it is. And so when you have a jar of pesto that you buy in the store, right, didn't didn't cost you very much money and it didn't cost you a lot of time to make. In fact, it cost you no time to make because you just bought the jar. And then you you scrape it and, and then the jar is finished and you put it away, you you know, rinse it off and then you put it in the recycle bin. When it's something you've foraged and once you start foraging, you you are more conscious of it with other food too that you buy. I made sure I got that spatula and I just made sure I had every last bit of it before I rinsed the jar off. And so you're just not wasteful. So you just realize how much effort it takes just to have that jar of pesto. You know, and I think that makes you a lot more, a lot closer to nature, more respectful of nature of what it provides for us. Um, as long as you're honorably foraging, then I think it's okay to forage. Um, one thing that, that I have found, though, I do take people on foraging walks, is that sometimes some people just don't respect that and they want to take, take, take. Um, so I think recently I've decided that. I'm actually not going to just invite anyone on my foraging walks. And what I'd rather do is I'd rather that people um, have done some forest bathing first, because then they have a little bit more respect for nature. And then when they do take, I think there's a, a bit more um, 
understanding why we're just taking enough for ourselves. It's almost like everything goes hand in hand. You have to look after yourself first and then you look after nature and you understand nature and then you can reap the rewards and get the gifts from. Absolutely. Absolutely. And nature has an amazing way of taking care of us. So there's one um, plant, and I know you're aware, uh, know it, and a lot of people do, it's called sticky grass. Oh, I've not heard of that. Oh, actually, I must have done. Back in the day, I think we used to throw it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. It's called, it's also called cleavers. And um, so when we're in this, the, in the winter, we, we tend, well, I do, and I think a lot of us still go out, but a lot of us do tend to be more hibernating sort of inside and um, indoors. And when um, when spring comes and you're suddenly going outside more, you, you your your whole um, your whole uh, what's that it, lymphatic system needs to because we haven't been moving as much as we normally do in the spring and summer our lymphatic system hasn't been drained as much the lymph nodes because it's movement that pumps the lymph nodes so that it circulates so that you're getting rid of the toxins right but when you don't move as much then it's not it's not using that pump system so in the spring this plant called cleavers like a lot of other plants starts to grow and actually if you can harvest a little bit of cleavers a handful chop it up put it in a jug of water and leave it like that overnight and drink that as your water the next day it's a lymphatic drainage um it, it helps with your lymphatic drainage wow so it's amazing it's coming at a time when you need it um so it's you know nature just helps you out that way yeah it's almost like we're missing out by not knowing all of this stuff mm-hmm. like even the pine tea that you made us at the end of the forest bathing walk yeah that was just it, it helps with lungs doesn't it and digestion yes yes respiratory system exactly so if you have a, a cough or a cold it's a great for your respiratory system and when we did that tea ceremony and I asked you to kind of drink it with your eyes closed and just sort of feel where in your body it's going a lot of you did say you felt it in your lungs and often that's how herbs work i mean it, they do go, go to where your body needs it or where it's it works its best and so um so yeah oh thank you so much we're going to end with the one last question who inspires you who inspires me my goodness um that's a really good question um i my father's no longer alive but i think it would have to be my father um he he just uh Every time I'm in nature, I actually, something triggers a memory of being with him. And so I would have to say that my father, who absolutely loved nature, he was my inspiration and to this day still is. That's beautiful. Well, thank you so much for coming on and talking about this. It's absolutely fascinating. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. I'm, I'm so, I was so happy to share this and I hope, you know, more people get become interested in forest bathing because I think it's a wonderful thing to, to experience and to do in your life. Thank you. Thank you so much. How can we find you as well? How can people find you listening to this? Oh, um, yeah, I'm on the internet. So there's a, I have a website. It's, um, it's hinokiforestbathing.co.uk. Um, Hinoki is H-I-N-O-K-I, forest bathing. Um, going back to that, the hinoki, the reason I use the word hinoki is that it's the Japanese cypress and the hinoki Japanese cypress um, in the research is known to have the most phytoncides of all the conifers out there. And so that's why I chose that name. So hinoki forest bathing. Even the name is mindful. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much. And best of luck. Thank you very much.